At Arendt, we regularly organize webinars that we are pleased to share on our podcast channel and on our website www.arendt.com. The following webinar was recorded on the 1st of April 2020 and is entitled How to validly hold your Luxembourg shareholder and board meetings with our partners Bob Canvas, Clara Mara Marwenda and Laurent Schumer. At Arendt, We regularly organize webinars that we are pleased to share on our podcast channel and on our website www.arendt.com. The following webinar was recorded on the 1st of April 2020 and is entitled How to validly hold your Luxembourg shareholder and board meetings with our partners Bob Canvas, Clara Mara Marwenda and Laurent Schumer. Good afternoon, everybody, and thanks very much for attending and welcome to our webinar on how to validly hold your Luxembourg shareholder and board meeting. Uh, my name is Bob Kalmers. I'm a partner in uh, the corporate and M&A practice of Erins. The other speakers today are Clara Mara. Um, Clara is a partner in our commercial litigation and dispute resolution practice. Uh, she has extensive knowledge on board and shareholder meeting related litigation. And then we also have uh, Laurent Schumer. Laurent is uh, another partner in our corporate and M&A practice. Uh, Laurent is advising uh, multinational companies, private equity firms, but also Luxembourg companies on uh, various corporate matters. Now the way this will work is that we will walk you through some key aspects first. And then later on in this webinar, we will have some time uh, for you to ask questions uh, towards the end of our webinar. So let's dive into the heart of the matter. As uh, some of you might know, uh, the week before last week, uh, the Luxembourg government issued a series of new pieces of legislation. And um, all these pieces of legislation are dealing with shareholder and board meetings, and uh, also the related publication of accounts. So there is the circular that has been issued by the Luxembourg Business Register that deals with the uh, postponing of administrative fines in relation to the uh, submission of annual accounts. And then there is the most important piece of regulation, which is the Grand Ducal Regulation dated 20th of March, which is the piece of regulation that is actually dealing with how to hold boards and shareholder meetings without physical meeting. Um, so throughout this webinar, we will refer to this piece of legislation as the regulation. And this is really uh, the most important piece of regulation. Um, and then there are two new bills of law. Um, they will deal with the extension of the deadlines in relation to annual Uh, accounts publication and with the related sanctions. Uh, there is one bill of law for uh, regular companies and then there is another bill of law for regulated entities. So this is not yet in force, but this is something to be monitored in the coming days. And then of course, we will talk a little bit later about the fact that the usual sources of company law and 
the Articles of Association will continue to apply to the extent they are not uh, explicitly disapplied by uh, the new pieces of legislation that we will explain in a minute. Now, as to the uh, scope, um, with the exception of the Bill of Law, where it's not yet clear whether foundations, associations, uh, usage, uh, certain CICARs and certain SIFs uh, will be caught, uh, and, and these inconsistencies will probably be straightened out uh, before this comes into law. With that exception, um, the Grand Ducal Regulation and the Circular, they do apply to all kinds of company forms. So the way boards and shareholder meetings can henceforth be held, um, that applies to all company forms. So let's start with shareholder meetings. Um, Laurent, if you can maybe walk us through the new process of holding shareholder meetings under this new regime uh, that has been introduced by the uh, regulation. Yes, thank you, Bob. I will do so with uh, pleasure. Uh, as you may know, Luxembourg company law provides for physical meetings as regards shareholder meetings, and exceptions are only allowed if this is provided in the Articles of Association, which would deprive some, some number of companies from being able to hold shareholder meetings in a way other than physical meetings. So the first thing that the Grand Ducal Regulation does is to say that notwithstanding any statutory provisions to the contrary, meetings may now be held in a way other than physical meetings. The regulation proposes three ways of doing this. One is a vote by ballot that we already know or in electronic form, which requires that the text of the resolutions is then made available to the shareholders so that they may express their vote in this respect. The second technique is that the company, and here it is the company, it's not the shareholder, it's the company may designate a proxy holder that may be appointed by the shareholders and it is through this proxy holder that they will express their vote with respect to the various resolutions. I think the difference between the first and the second solution is that in the first solution, as you have to have the text of the resolutions, you need to vote for, against, or abstain, whereas the proxy probably gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of the instructions that a proxy holder will receive from uh, the relevant shareholder. And then the third means of holding the shareholder meeting is by video conference or any other technical means of uh, communication. What is important is that in the means where you vote through electronic form uh, or where you vote through proxy holders or even video conference, that you have a system in place where you can identify from whom the instructions or the participation in the meetings are being made. So it is important to identify your shareholders. And if you have larger companies, you may wish maybe to have recourse to certain service providers which provide services that allow you to identify the shareholders. Now, what the regulation does not, and that is very important, and Bob already alluded to it, is change other provisions of the Company Act, notably how convening notices are being done. The only provision in the regulation that deals with convenings is those companies that had already convened their shareholder meetings. They are allowed to introduce this new way of holding shareholder meetings by simply putting something on their website or 
uh, providing the notice uh, of a change of procedure in accordance with uh, the procedures that they had followed to announce their initial meetings. But for the rest, there are no special rules in terms of convening. So probably for some companies where uh, you can uh, have a publication in the RISA to convene your meeting, that is a preferred route as opposed to using mail because mail is currently a little bit disrupted as it is. But if you do have uh, salt, for instance, other types of companies, convening notices should go out by registered mail to the extent possible and by simple mail. It is reminded that under Luxembourg law, the non-strict compliance with convening requirements does only lead to the invalidation of the resolution if a shareholder can show that there has been a prejudice or that the vote would have changed. So that in many situations, probably the fact that one or the other shareholder would not receive the convening notice can be dealt with in a satisfactory manner. And I think, Bob, that's what we can say with respect to uh, a few of the aspects of the regulation. Yeah, thanks, Laurent. And I think what you already uh, alluded to is that uh, other uh, rights do continue to apply. So to the extent that they are not disapplied, they do apply. And that is true for uh, all kinds of basic shareholder rights. Um, maybe to give you an illustration, if you take, for instance, uh, a traded companies, uh, there is this basic right to ask questions. So the question that now arises is, how do you accommodate that if you have no uh, physical meeting and no deliberation, but only a written vote? And I think here it's up to the board uh, to, to really apply a common sense approach and to, for instance, uh, providing the convening notice, a timeline uh, by which the shareholders could ask certain questions and then you could, for instance, uh, answer these questions uh, on your site online. Uh, I'm not saying this is the only solution. So there is, in, 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 in these cases, uh, there is no one-size-fits-all approach, um, but you rather have to make sure to find a reasonable way um, to not disapply other rights. And the same is true, actually, for uh, whatever is in the Articles of Association. Um, you already mentioned, Laurent, that uh, there are sometimes rules uh, with regard to convening notices. In other instances, you do have rules in relation to the holding of the shareholder meeting. What's interesting here, and, and here I'm, I'm, I'm turning to Clara, is the question to know if you have something, for instance, in your articles of association, uh, and you know that you cannot comply with a specific provision because it's physically no more possible, well, can you then, in the name of public health or in the name of force majeure, just disapply this, uh, Clara? At the law applicable to the agreement and verify whether the agreement includes a contractual definition of the force majeure. Assuming Luxembourg law is applicable and as a matter of principle, the event of force majeure must meet three conditions in order to be legitimately relied upon. The first condition is the condition of exteriority. Luxembourg case law holds that force majeure can only result from an event which is independent of human will. It seems clear that a pandemic such as COVID-19 is not inherent to the will of the company. Regarding the second condition, it's a condition of unpredictability. Unpredictability implies that the event could not have been foreseen. 
It seems that the current pandemic could not have been predicted in Luxembourg a few months ago. So if the pandemic could not reasonably have been anticipated by the company at the time of the conclusion of the agreement, this condition should also be, be fulfilled. Then it will depend on the date on which the agreement was made. The third and last condition, which is more relevant in our case, is the condition of irresistibility. Irresistibility may characterize force majeure when no preventive measures could have avoided the occurrence or effects of the breach of the provision. For instance, it is specifically on the basis of this condition that force majeure should not be accepted by the court to legitimize the breach of the right of the shareholders to have access to certain reports and documents when other methods can be implemented by the company. For, for example, access to the reports through a virtual data room or through the sending of the documents by post depending on the circumstances. Even if the registered office of the company is closed, the force majeure may not be acknowledged by a court if the company had alternatives to ensure the right of access to the reports by the shareholders. To conclude, this condition will have to be analyzed on a case-by-case -case basis. It will depend on whether the pandemic prevents the company from seeking alternatives to ensure the shareholder rights in question. If such alternatives exist, I believe that force majeure could not legitimately be relied on. Thanks, Clara. So, so one, one has then to assess this really uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. That's, that's interesting. Um, so we, we are going to the next subject, which is uh, annual general meetings. I mean, we, this is the period of the year where annual general meetings are typically held. Uh, Laurent, if you can uh, maybe give us uh, some insights uh, into whether there are specific rules in the regulation uh, notably in relation to the timeline of uh, holding and publishing annual general meetings. Yes, Bob. So the regulation contains a provision that actually says that your annual general meeting uh, that is often still today provided for on a given date in the Articles of Association may be postponed. Uh, for those who have uh, an annual general meeting or a financial year, which is the calendar year, that annual general meeting may be postponed until 30th of June 2020. If the financial year ends after 1st of January 2020, then it is a six-month period. The issue that we are having here is that while the meeting is postponed to, until June, there is this draft bill that Bob, you already mentioned, which provides for an extension of the period for which you can file your annual accounts, your statutory consolidated accounts. And that provides for the fact that this can be extended for the usual period by three months so that you can go to 31st of October to actually deposit and publish your annual accounts. Now, here is a little bit of an inconsistency, because if you have to hold your annual general meeting that normally approves your annual accounts by 30th of June, then having an additional period to publish and deposit your account is probably not useful. And so we will have to see whether the legislator is adjusting the regulation to possibly grant an additional time period for actually holding your annual general meeting and to have that go until sometime in August or in, in September. Uh, we will have to see how, how this works out. And just one last reminder, Bob, you mentioned already the uh, company's registers uh, regulation that says that no penalties will apply for late filing of the accounts until 30th of November uh, 2020. 
This now relates to the annual general meetings. The question then is how do we deal with extraordinary general meetings and therefore maybe you can uh, present us uh, our views. Yes, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Laurent. Um, well, the extraordinary general meeting uh, in Luxembourg is a meeting that is basically changing the articles of association, um, uh, which means uh, in, in Luxembourg that it triggers the need to have a civil notary involved. Um, to your question, Laurent, whether there are specific rules in the regulation as regards EGM, no. There are no specific rules that are set out in this new regulation. However, there are some uh, practical, uh, pragmatic aspect, uh, aspects that you should uh, keep in mind here. Um, and and the, the, the reason here is that you have to deal with the civil notary. So uh, from our experience over the last two weeks, um, we've seen that uh, civil notaries actually do uh, a, a real good job in being operational. Uh, so uh, the bulk of them are operational, especially when it comes to holding EGMs. Um, however, you should reach out to them either directly or through uh, your lawyer uh, just to make sure that uh, you adequately deal with practicalities. Uh, one example is, for instance, in EGMs, while typically you would give proxy to a Lux lawyer for that lawyer then to meet, physically meet with the notary, well, we see now more and more uh, notarial deeds and EGMs that are held directly by the notary. So you would give a proxy directly to the notarial clerk, uh, and then the notary clerk um, will hold that meeting uh, internally uh, with the uh, civil notary. Maybe also a, a very quick word on what will happen to uh, bondholder meetings. Uh, here we have exactly the same rules uh, applying than uh, the rules that apply to uh, shareholder meetings. Um, with maybe one caveat here, uh, be careful, uh, there is a lot of Lux structures involving bonds uh, that are not necessarily governed by, by, by Luxembourg laws. So with that, I think we can go to uh, the next subject matter, which is the holding of boards meetings. So irrespective of what your articles say, you will now have at least two more means, two more options to hold board meetings. Now, the first is by conference or uh, video conference call. So as long, obviously, uh, as your technology allows for the identification of the board members. And then there is a second option, which is to hold your board meeting by circular resolution. Now, if we look at the, uh, the new provisions on the circular resolutions, there is some debate currently under uh, Luxembourg practitioners as to whether these circular board resolutions do need unanimity or not. Um, the wording is a bit ambiguous. Um, I think for the time being, since all of this is, is obviously very recent, we would uh, advise to go for the conservative route and uh, to hold these circular resolutions uh, through unanimous uh, signature. There, is, there are some Luxembourg structures where uh, typically, in normal times at least, you would make sure that certain regulatory substance or tax substance uh, rationales are complied with, and you would typically try to have physical meetings with 
specific people uh, physically on the ground. Uh, as this is obviously uh, no more possible, uh, I think it's first of all very important that you document the reasons why you go, for instance, for a circular resolution, uh, especially as uh, if, if somebody will look at this a few years down the road, well, they will better understand why some basic rules have been uh, disapplied. So, so very important to, to document. Uh, and then also, uh, we, we know that uh, some countries have not yet changed their rules, for instance, on the tax side. Uh, as an example, under, under certain circumstances, it's still difficult for UK-based uh, uh, members, board members, to attend a, a Luxembourg board resolution. So these are situations where you should uh, seek advice by your uh, foreign tax uh, council. Now, with that, we go to uh, a last subject. Uh, which is basically when, when things go south and when push comes to shove um, and you have to end up in court, uh, the question is a little bit, uh, and this is a question to Clara, uh, whether we would really advise our clients to go to court. So Clara, if you can maybe give us a bit color on, on, on whether courts are operational right now and, and, and what it looks like uh, having any, any court proceedings uh, under, under, under COVID situation. Yes, yeah, sure. The Luxembourg Court will continue to deal with urgent matters. Regarding the hearings on the merits at commercial chambers, for instance, an application for the cancellation of a resolution made by the shareholders in a general meeting, the new, newly brought cases can be filed and registered with the clerk of the court. But the preliminary hearing and the pleadings will be postponed. However, regarding the summary proceedings to obtain interim relief measures, the Luxembourg Court will continue to deal with the matters which are of particular urgency in the light of the circumstances of each case. May include, for instance, uh, the suspension of the resolutions of the shareholders' general meetings or the appointment of an interim manager where the management of the company and its operations are at risk or blocked because the manager is unable to work or in case of fraud, uh, it may uh, concern also the, the appointment of a receiver over the shares in case of fraudulent transfer, but the other matters will be postponed. Finally, it also remains possible to apply for ex parte interim measures in all cases of particular urgency. Thanks, Clara. Um, so. It's time for, I mean, we, we have a few minutes left uh, where we are happy to take uh, your questions, actually. Uh, we take them in, 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 in any, uh, any language, uh, uh, Luxembourgish, French, German, English, maybe even Spanish, Clara. Um, so uh, I, they are coming in as I speak. So I see here one or two um, questions that, that already look uh, quite interesting. Um, when, one question that has been asked is uh, the question of conflict of interest uh, for board meetings. So maybe just to give a, a bit of context, uh, typically if you have a conflict of interest in, in Luxembourg, well, the, the member that is having a conflict of interest would abstain from voting or he would not even uh, uh, be present uh, for that specific vote. And I guess this question is a bit how that will work in case you would have a unanimous 
written resolution. Uh, Laurent, do you want to take a shot at this one? or? Yes, well, it goes into the question of uh, how you generally deal with it. Uh, I think that somebody who is conflicted on a circular resolution should either should uh, simply uh, two solutions. Either he signed that circular resolution by saying, I have a conflict and uh, I have abstained from participating in the resolution taking. That is, if we go for the requirement that the circular resolutions have to have, be approved by a unanimous uh, vote, or we simply say, no, the regulation has to be interpreted, as Bob has alluded to, the fact by saying circular resolutions can be adopted. Not all the directors need to vote, because some of them may even not vote one of the questions I think relates to a director being in the hospital. And then we just uh, have a director who is conflicted, abstaining like in the usual way. And we look whether we have uh, a sufficient number of directors signing the circular resolution for the quorum and a sufficient number of directors approving the resolutions as uh, a majority vote, like you would do at any ordinary uh, meeting. So it depends a little bit on the interpretation that you are giving. The jury is out. But um, I think from a practical perspective, the circular option is certainly one you need to consider on a case-by-case -case basis. Thanks, Laurent. And, and, and in fact, as you mentioned, uh, uh, there, there, there was also this question about what you do if somebody uh, is currently in a hospital. Uh, I think to the extent that you have the option to uh, hold a uh, non-circular board meeting, i.e. a meeting over conf call, uh, you would typically apply the normal majority requirements, so you should typically be able to hold uh, these kinds of uh, meetings. Um, I'm looking at other questions uh, uh, coming in. One of the questions here is whether if you hold a board by video or conf call, if there are specific new convening notices and rules that apply. Uh, Laurent, you give it a shot or should I? Just go ahead, go ahead. So, so no, there are no uh, specific rules in, in terms of how, do you, how, how you convene now uh, the boards that uh, are held by uh, these new uh, means. Uh, you should look at what is uh, set out in the Articles of Association uh, and you should uh, apply that. Um, to the extent you cannot apply that because uh, you have reasons not to apply it, uh, then again, it's, it's important to uh, uh, reason and to justify that in your board uh, and to document uh, why, again, you had to disapply your, your rules that are set out in the articles. But this should really be an exception. And typically here in, in this specific case, you should go for the rules that are set out in the articles as there are no new specific rules um, applying. Um, there is another question about, the question is whether the filing of the articles is extended until the end of September, and then how come that the RCS is accepting uh, not giving out fines until the end of uh, November? Um, so uh, you are referring actually to the bill of law that is not yet in force. And in fact, the Bill of Law uh, provides for a three-month extension, while the uh, RCRS circular provides for uh, administrative sanctions only kicking in after four months. 
these are inconsistencies that are on our radar that are in the meantime i think on the radar of a lot of people who are uh, trying to um, make sure that the uh, uh, legislator will be aware of this um, the law is still or the, the draft law i should say the bill of law is still in a process of being finalized so hopefully these uh, inconsistencies will be uh, straightened out Bob, if you allow yep. just because I see that one other Please. question goes into that the same direction is what about the CSSF? So there is another draft bill that you mentioned at the beginning, which provides for the extension by same three months period of the publication uh, of uh, the financial uh, accounts uh, of uh, regulated entities and of the publication. We have a little bit the same problem, I think, than we have under the uh, other bill, which is to say, well, do I still need to approve them or submit them to the CSSF in advance? Uh, this has been raised by the Chambre de Commerce, and I guess in the statutory regulatory process, the laws may be adjusted to clarify hopefully extended time periods also for regulated entities in terms of uh, the preparation of uh, whatever needs to be prepared, because the commentaries to the draft bill clearly say that the reason for the postponement is that it may be difficult to finalize these types of reports or financial statements uh, with the service providers that are needed to do so. So the logic would be that uh, both uh, the publication thereof, but also the finalization and the filing thereof with the CSSF are delayed. Uh, again, the State Council will on Friday issue its opinion on uh, these draft bills, and we suspect that uh, these issues will be raised by the State Council. So we'll watch Friday, uh, and we will have more more details on this. Yes, we have to monitor this. Uh, there is another question, and maybe we, we were a bit confusing on this. Uh, one person is asking us whether uh, they can only hold a video conference as long as the articles do not forbid it. Uh, no, you can actually now hold video conferences irrespective of what's in the articles, because this is something that is now explicitly provided in the regulation. What we are saying is everything that is not explicitly provided in the regulation, it's these part of the articles of association that still continue to apply. Um, next question on the, uh, what we call the bureau uh, of, the, uh, of a general meeting, which is typically uh, uh, consisting of a, of a chairman, a secretary, and a scrutineer. Uh, how does this work in practice uh, now that uh, uh, these uh, uh, meetings can be held without physical meeting? Um, maybe maybe I'm, I'm taking that one. Um, I think there are two ways, or at least what we've seen so far is two ways to deal with that. Um, for larger companies, uh, while it's quite clear that uh, the shareholders are not no more invited to meet, uh, we've seen companies where you still have uh, the bureau uh, that is basically uh, meeting. So you still have three persons that do uh, uh, meet. However, it is uh, certainly conceivable uh, that you uh, would have uh, your chairman, your secretary, and your scrutineer uh, in different places, um, and then they can, uh, uh, for instance, get the proxy, uh, do the uh, calculations uh, and then uh, sign uh, uh, out of separate uh, places. Um, another interesting question, uh, whether we would recommend for substance reasons to 
initiate a conf call out of Luxembourg. Uh, Laurent, maybe, maybe you can take that. Does it make sense to initiate a conf call out of Luxembourg as opposed to out of uh, another country? I, I guess it may, it may certainly help. I mean, it is the old rule that we had before the 2016 reform where we said that uh, calls should be initiated out of Luxembourg, and I guess that this can indeed uh, help. Now, again, we are here in extraordinary circumstances, and we expect that there would probably be some leniency uh, also given that the lines are quite busy. But I think it's certainly helpful to try to still have uh, the call initiated from Luxembourg or have somebody who is in Luxembourg attend the call out of Luxembourg. I think that's still the basic rules that one should try to comply with as much as possible. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. I think it's time to uh, uh, wrap up. Uh, I want to, well, first of all, thanks uh, the speakers. Um, we are happy to take uh, more questions uh, uh, over email. You will find our emails on the last page of the presentation. We'll put our presentation online. Uh, we also have in top of our legal teams, we have our paralegal teams that are currently working on animal meeting packages, for instance. We do have a corporate governance center, so happy to help uh, going forward. Now, with that, um, I'm wishing you to, first of all, stay safe and then uh, enjoy the rest of the day. Um, this is the 1st of April, so I hope you will find some time for lighter things today. And um, thanks a lot for attending.